Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of the American Dry Cleaner podcast. I'm your host, Dave Davis, editor of American Dry Cleaner magazine. Joining me today for succession planning is Monica Manter, vice president of Balfour Dry Cleaners, located in State College, Pennsylvania. Monica represents the fourth generation of the family-owned business, and today we'll be talking about growing into a leadership role in a family business, the discussions that need to be had along the way, and when the time comes, how to make a smooth transition for everyone involved. Hi, Monica. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Dave. And today we're talking about succession planning, and as a fourth-generation dry cleaner, you would be a great person to talk to on this topic. So uh, just get started, uh, can you describe your relationship to the business as you were growing up? What are some of your earliest memories growing up around the family business? You know, growing up, the business was always just a, a huge part of, of our family life. Both of my parents actually worked in the business, and that's how they met. So I just, I remember growing up, you know, whenever I had a sick day at school, my dad would push two chairs together in his office, and um, I had to suffer through my sick day, you know, at, at Balford. And as you can imagine, I wasn't sick super often, but just <laughs> little things like that. But I think some of my favorite memories... Um, you know, my dad would always do our dry cleaning inventory on Saturdays and I would bring my roller skates in as a kid and roller skate around our plant. And, and there's <laughs> nowhere better to roller skate than a dry cleaning plant, you know, with the concrete floors and, and like little paths everywhere. Right. And also just, you know, my dad would drive me to school and we'd always stop at our laundromat and my job was refilling the vending machines and, and pulling the quarters out. So just little things like that. And, um, you know, but probably my, my absolute favorite thing was, you know, the regional trade shows because they always mm. did them in fun places. So we always took our family vacation. They, they had one in Atlantic City pretty often. So uh -huh. we always went as a family to Atlantic City. My mom and my sister and I would go to the beach and my dad would go to the show. So just, you know, the business was just always there and, and really a, a huge part of our, our daily lives and conversations. Excellent. So when did you know you wanted to be a part of the business and, and continue it as its next generation? Yeah. So I had no interest in being part of the business and, and yet here I am. And, you know, I think, I think a lot of people just really expected me to join the business. And, and so that especially made me not want to do it, you know, when right. everybody's expecting something from you. So, you know, my, my mom actually, funnily enough, really actively encouraged me not to join the business. You know, she had worked mm. in the business and, and really saw firsthand how hard commercial laundry and dry cleaning is. It's it's not for the faint of heart as, as everyone listening to this knows. Right. Um, so I actually went to grad school, became a guidance counselor, did that for a little bit. And then, you know, my husband and I decided to move back to state college and, and temporarily work for the business. Mm -hmm. uh, famous, famous last words. <laughs> he, he did sales for our linen division and I did, I worked as a CSR um, and, and a counter manager. So, and after a few months of being there, I, I tagged along with my dad to a cost group meeting and just realized there's so much more to dry cleaning than, than pressing shirts and, and running a dry cleaning machine. You know, at mm -hmm. that meeting, I heard other owners talk about the challenges they were having and how to innovate and automate. And I just became really hooked on trying to figure out how to make our business better. And, and I realized that I wanted to join the business at that point. Can you describe the evolution of Balfour as it's gone through its generations? How has it changed? Yeah, I mean, so it's changed a ton. Um, and I'm, I'm in a very fortunate position that that really all of those past generations were open to change and, and were really action oriented. So, mm -hmm. you know, our business started as just a tailoring and pressing shop in the 20s. And we've just continued to really evolve and add different services. 
Um, and oftentimes, you know, I think it's it's interesting to note, you know, those big changes really piggybacked off events. So, you know, for example, the story my dad always tells is my great grandfather and grandfather back in like the 50s or 60s went to a trade show and they uh -huh. saw being advertised, you know, a, an at-home dry cleaning machine. And, and the salesman <laughs> said, gosh, you know, this is going to be in every house in the next few years and it'll make dry cleaning obsolete. So they drove back from that show, you know, completely depressed. And they were like, oh man, like we're going to be out of business. Mm. Um, so what did they do? You know, they, they decided to start a linen rental division. Um, and my great grandfather's best friend owned a car dealership and he was our very first linen rental client. And, and they signed mm. him up and just, you know, you hate to say it from that fear-based mentality, they created a, an entirely new division. And then, you know, in the eighties, you know, as, as dry cleaning pieces kind of continued to decline, you know, we started a healthcare laundry um, mm. in the two thousands, we joined CRDN and began textile restoration. And we've just really continued looking for the next thing, you know? Right. Um, and it's just so crazy for me to think about, you know, if we would, would have just stayed a dry cleaner and, and tailoring company, I mean, that's only like 10% of our overall business now. So it's just without diversifying, I really mm. don't think we would be here today. Um, mm. And then, you know, now, you know, my husband and I, obviously with COVID, like th there's lots of changes yeah. happening in everybody's businesses, but for us, it's kind of just been the status quo. So, and I've talked about this before, but, you know, we just think that we need to be of value to our clients. And if that mm -hmm. means completely changing how we're doing things, that's okay. We're, we're open to that change. Um, but we know the quickest way to, to becoming an obsolete business is just sticking with the same thing over and over again. Right, right. So challenges are an opportunity. Definitely, yes. Yeah. So uh, what is uh, the role of the previous generation in the day-to-day -day operation of the company and how has that changed in, in recent years? Yeah, so it's changed a lot. You know, my great-grandfather and grandfather were really, really hands-on. Um, and I think that's that's very typical for founders and, and even second generation sometimes. You know, we were a much smaller company then, um, mm -hmm. and they really had to be involved because we didn't have a ton of managers to, to take the reins. So they knew how to do everything. They could fix every machine. They dealt with all customer issues. Um, and my dad, too, was, was hands-on early in his career. But um, I think as we continued to grow, he quickly realized really the importance of surrounding himself with, with great managers um, because he couldn't be everything to everybody. And for me, you know, when I joined the business, too, I mean, I think everybody joins and, and has to be hands-on in the beginning to learn the business. But, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've pretty much removed myself from the day-to-day -day as well. Um, you know, our company has just gotten too big. And, and you know, if I'm focused on linen day-to-day, -day, I'm missing dry cleaning and, and vice versa. So... And for me, that was really hard. You know, right. it's, right. it's, everybody <laughs> likes to, thinks they know the best way to do things and want to be in control. But I moved my office out of our, our plant to a drop store. So that's been really helpful for me to mm. not jump in when a problem happens. But um, I just think it's so important, at least in our business, you know, to, to not be involved in that because I'm able to work on special projects and strategy and, and different things rather than, you know, things that, that my managers could 100% take care of just as well as I could. Right. You want to see the forest and not every single tree that comes along. <laughs> Definitely. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So uh, as you've stepped in, what's the transition look like as you've advanced in the business? And what are the plans in, for the transition in the future? Where are you on that spectrum right now? Yeah. So so the transition has been a really gradual process and we're still not done. Um, so over mm -hmm. the last eight years, we've just kind of been transferring ownership stock. And um, my dad is still slightly the majority owner, um, but mm -hmm. he's, he's really only involved at, at a really high level. So we have a succession plan in place for that majority ownership shift in the, in the near future, but 
you know, it's, it's funny, even when my dad's not the majority owner, he'll still be the big boss and, and right. really, you know, kind of, <laughs> kind of always be in charge as much as he wants to be. Um, but it's been really positive because that slow transition has allowed myself and, and my husband, who's our, our chief operating officer, to really make progressively bigger and bigger decisions and, and gain our mm-hmm. confidence or build our confidence, I should say. So, Monica, uh, there's always surprises when something like this goes on. What's been the most surprising thing you've encountered as you've taken on the leadership role in the business? Yeah, I mean, I never imagined I'd be in this role, and then that's surprising. But I, I'm really glad I am, and I think there's just something so energizing about being in a leadership position and helping your team members accomplish goals and and you know doing something together and. Um, but I think the biggest thing is I thought I'd, I'd really have to have all of the answers and, and know every mm. detail about my business. Um, and that's just not the case. You know, we really try to, to try to operate out of a, a who, not how mentality and be like, man, who can help us mm. with this? You know, there's people who have a lot more experience than us in, in this. So mm-hmm. we just really try to strategically employ great people who can move our business forward. And I, I realized, like, I don't need to know how to press the perfect shirt. Can I do it? Sure. It's it's not going to be as good as somebody else, but I can figure it out. But I have team members to do that for me and, and just understanding I don't need to know every single little detail of what's going on. Um, right. And it, I can still be a great leader by not doing that. You said the uh, business has evolved over time. And so what are some of the challenges you've had to deal with that earlier generations might not have? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> The, the the most obvious is the pandemic, you know, and and I just I just remember kind of panicking, you know, in March of 2020, and and my dad pulling me aside and being like, "Listen, we've survived the Great Depression, we've survived recession after recession after recession. Like, mm-hmm. it, we will be fine. We just need to continue to follow the plan and and make changes and and react to things, and and we'll be fine." But I think the other big challenge, uh, and this was happening prior to the pandemic, is is the labor issues we're all facing. Um, you know, I think that earlier generations just didn't have to deal with that as much. I mean, I'm sure there was a little bit of it, but I think for the most part, people used to show up for interviews and and wanted to work. Um, but I think that's just kind of a a reflection of how things are changing, but that, that challenge has kind of forced us to automate and technology has just made everything so much more efficient. But again, a challenge with that then is finding maintenance techs and and different people like that. So those are a couple that I can think of. Things move pretty fast these days, don't they? They, they sure do. <laughs> and if you, if you have to keep up. <laughs> so uh, a multi-generation business is built on what came before. Uh, when thinking of previous generations, what are you most grateful for? I'm just so grateful that um, the previous generations had the vision to diversify the business. You know, Balford, mm-hmm. I mean, we were hit very hard by the pandemic, but I think for us, because of our our really diverse kind of portfolio, um, we were able to sustain a little bit better with with the healthcare and and restoration, you know, not being hit as hard. Um, Mm -hmm. And and we've come out of this in a a better position. So so currently, like that is what I think of. I'm just so thankful that that the previous generations took some really big risks. Um, You know, my grandfather and dad took on a lot of debt to build our second facility in the 2000s. And and it was a huge Mm -hmm. leap of faith for them. And I just really appreciate the courage and vision they had. Sure, absolutely. So as somebody that's in the middle of the transition, what advice would you have for someone stepping into a leadership role at the family business and for the older generation as they step away from it? What can make that transition better for both sides? I love this question. This is this is a great question. <laughs> um, I think for those becoming leaders, I think the biggest one is um, you know, never stop learning and continue to network and, and be involved in the industry. 
Um, I think being curious will just drive you to continuing to improve not only yourself and your leadership, but your business too. And, and it's so key to keep changing. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other big one for those becoming leaders are just find really great people and pay them well so they stay. And, um, you know, it just allows you to be so much more strategic and gives yourself like some time to sit and think every week about about how you can make your business better. Um, Mm -hmm. And just keep in mind for those becoming leaders, your time is best spent moving the business forward and and really working on your culture um, and not working in your plant if that's possible. I know that's not always possible, but if you're able to do that, I really encourage people who are becoming leaders to do that. For those transitioning out, you know, I'd say as hard as it is to to try to trust the next generation, um, don't micromanage their every move. You know, they're going to mess up, but the the less you can Monday morning quarterback them, the better, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like I said, you know, give them some small projects to really help build their confidence. But for us, what's, what's really been helpful and has been a big piece is try not to let your entire identity be the business. Um, mm. I think it's hard, especially for founders and, and, you know, earlier generations who just spent their entire lives, you know, with their, their blood and mm. sweat and tears in the business right, to, to right. not to do that. But I think when your personal identity is tied, it's, it's just so much harder to let go. Um, so find hobbies and things you love to do, you know, for our business, my dad's an avid golfer for anyone who knows him <laughs> and he has a, a really robust social life. So for him stepping away has been a blessing. Like he's, he's mm-hmm. really enjoyed that. And it hasn't been because his, his identity isn't tied to just, just being a business owner. So that that's some advice. Right. So it's not stepping away from something it's stepping to something else. Yes. That's you, you said that so much better than I said it, Dave. That's exactly <laughs> it. That is exactly it. <laughs> so um, knowing what you know now, if you were to discuss, what would you discuss if you had the opportunity to speak with your grandfather and your great grandfather? Yeah, I would just love to know like what their mindset was, you know, when they made, especially when they like started the linen rental division, you know, was Mm -hmm. it, were they terrified? Was it exciting? Like, I I just would love to kind of hear where they were at mentally, because I just think they took so many huge risks and there was a lot of personal liability on the line in so many of those cases. Um, I would just love to hear what really drove them to be successful and and to make those big changes when their competition didn't. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would love to know. Yeah, it's um, it's funny to when you're in the middle of a, de- a decision like that, it looks so much different than it looks like from from high, with hindsight. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yes. You know, when you know it comes out fine, it's easier. To- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to to hear what was going through their head and, and what they thought would happen and what actually happened, you know? Right. So Monica, for our final spin question, uh, what one idea would you like to leave our listeners with when it comes to transitioning between generations in a dry cleaning company? Yeah, I think, I think the key is starting that transition early um, mm-hmm. and that conversation early, you know, it, it schedule meetings to discuss succession planning and, and really openly set the expectations Um you know, I just, I know a lot of other family businesses in and out of the industry and they've never Mm -hmm. discussed their transition plan. And, you know, both parties, I think are afraid to bring it up. And it's, it's, I just think it's such a big mistake. Um, And so just sitting down with a lawyer who specializes in those types of transitions, I think is huge and can help make that happen more easily. But 
you know, we've, we've made a lot of mistakes with our transitions, but um, I think the biggest lesson we've learned is, is we don't want a previous generation's death to be the catalyst of that transition. Mm. Right. And, and sometimes things happen unexpectedly, unfortunately, but you know, your business will function so much better if you can control that transition and guide it, you know, in a really thoughtful way where both parties are able to contribute and, and move it along smoothly. That's great. That's great. That's a lot of great information about succession planning and moving between generations and dry cleaning plant. Uh, We really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for having me. Our guest today has been Monica Manter, Vice President of Balfour Dry Cleaners, located in State College, Pennsylvania. The American Dry Cleaner podcast is produced by American Trade Magazines, LLC Chicago. The music for this podcast, Brand New Day, is by Alivero Angeloro and provided by HookSounds.com. Our podcasts are available free at our website, americandrycleaner.com, and you can check out our weekly e-newsletter, The Wire, to learn more about future episodes. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter to stay informed about the podcast, along with news and information from around the industry. For the American Dry Cleaner Podcast, I'm Dave Davis, and I'll see you at the front counter again soon.